Hey, Vinny. Hey, Timu. Welcome to the Big Five Pod. Swung on a joke deep to right field. There it goes. See ya. First to the year. Oh. He drives one. Deep left field. That goes up to Back near the wall. It's out of here. Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening, folks. Welcome to episode 59 of the Big Fly Pod with your co-host, Vinny D'Amato, Kame, and T. Lou. Boys, a lot of things have happened since we hit and record on our last episode. Uh, the Tigers have extended one of their young studs. Jorge Polanco is now a Seattle Mariner. Uh, the reliever market has fully, fully progressed and fully opened up to where big names have finally come off the board. The Orioles have a new ownership group. We'll talk about that just briefly. Finally, the Brewers make a splash as we ended our recording, like I said last week. So we will discuss that, plus preview their upcoming 2024 season. Uh, but let's check in with the fellas. Uh, I'll start with you, Vinny. Vinny, how are you? You're muted. Sorry, you're you're right. We've done 59 episodes. I've only done 20. I don't know who you're talking about. Oh, wow. You, I didn't you, get the invite counted. in the first 39, but whatever. Yeah, um, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, no, I'm doing great. I'm, you know, got my health. You know, I'm, I know that you're a little under the weather, so I'm sorry about that. But I flu feel game, good. Flu game. Flu yeah. game. Yeah, flu game. Um, no, I feel good. I'm ready to talk some baseball. You know, spring training's coming up. Pitchers and catchers are reporting uh, here soon. And I've even seen, I've been watching the transactions and a lot of exciting names are getting invited to camp. So I am. Looking forward to it. We're very, very happy for you. We're very happy for you. KB, how are you, buddy? It was great seeing you this weekend. Yeah, I'm great. Uh, I'm going to start by saying that intro video we have, you guys can't see me, but I always like, I'm always head bobbing to it. It like gets me in the zone, gets me going. It's a great video to start. Shout out to Vinny for that one. Yeah. yeah shout, so out. shout out to Vinny. Really put in some work uh, for that. Um, so we love to see that. Yeah, I I'm good, Ty. Thanks for checking in. It was great to see you too. Um, you know, as we talked about last time, I was heading out to Arizona this weekend or this past weekend. Had a great time. Saw Tilu, saw his fiance, saw some of Tilu's buddies, met them for the first time. So what a time. W weather was gorgeous. We couldn't have asked for a better, better weather weekend. And uh, I may or may not have given Tilu the flu uh, or whatever he has, cold, whatever it is. I don't think I did, but, you know, I, I was definitely in contact with the kids. So the, the jury's still out on that one. But so sources sources close to the situation said that he has a negative COVID test. Okay. So sources do say he has a negative COVID test, but he is day to day on the flu chart. Okay. So looking back and forth here, feeling much better than I did yesterday, kind of rolling into uh, tomorrow. I'm pushing through, man. I'm working. I'm doing all the things I need to do, man. I I'm just, I'm unbelievable right now. You know, as, uh, they, as they say to you, life is all about how you respond to adversity, right? So it, it, it's what it's all about. It's the name of the game. Do you hear that, Vinny? Yeah. What uh, do I not respond well, or are you? Do you want more compliments on how well you respond? What are you looking for here? Uh. Well, how about a compliment to the Detroit Tigers? Huh? How about one to them? Right? They and the extend... Detroit Lions. Oh, sorry. Oh. Oh. oh wow. Yeah. Wow. We Oops. brought that one. Yeah. Oops. Uh. uh they. The Tigers did something kind of cool. They extended their number two overall prospect, Colt Keith. Uh, they agreed to a six-year deal for uh, – I'm going to go through the entire number here. $28,642,500 over a six-year deal, like I said. 
The contract includes three team options starting in 2030. If all three are accepted by the Tigers, the deal can turn into a $64 million over nine seasons total, making him a free agent in 2033. With escalators, he can even get up to $82 million, $82 million over the totality of that contract. Now, who is Colt Keith Boys? Uh, Vinny, in a, in a minute here, I'm going to let you give your whole breakdown as to what we should expect from him, but he is 22 years old. He's a left-handed swing and second baseman. He was drafted in, in 2020 by the Tigers at a high school. Uh, as mentioned before, he is the number two overall prospect for the Tigers at the current moment and is ranked number 22 overall in the MLB top 100 prospect rankings. He had a 306, 385, 52 slash line with a 932 OPS in his 2023 minor league season. That included 59 games in AA and 67 in AAA. With the deal being fully complete, many expect him to start at second base for the Tigers on opening day. Vinny, give us a breakdown of what we should expect from Keith. Sure. So Colt Keith is a guy who was heavily... I mean, he was he was around the scene last year. Like this time last year, he was he was kind of around in the prospect circle, right? He wasn't a dude. He was just known. He was like, okay, this guy's pretty good, whatever. But last year, Colt Keith really ascended up rankings. I mean, he hit 27 home runs across double and triple A and hit 306 with a 552 slug. The dude's got 70 grade power. So he just started to mash once he started to really figure out his uh, his own zone. Um, yeah, I mean, he's, he's going to be a cornerstone for this team for a long time. And if I'm being honest, I mean, after I'm assuming Detroit is going to exercise every single option because this guy's just that good. Um, this contract in four years is going to look like a joke. I mean, he's, I just, I personally think he's just going to mash. Like I, the guy is a pure hitter. Um, his fielding though is where he might run into some problems. He is only a 30 grade, uh, fielder so they have him currently slotted at second base he actually came up as a third baseman um right now i think the tigers have matt veerling slotted in a third base so colt keith will probably start at second base for his first year but i imagine at some point he'll he'll slide over to third i think chase jung is going to uh take over that second base spot at some point um so Colt Keith could even end up being a DH after a couple years, but the dude just mashes. The guy's a the guy's a hitter. So I would expect if you're looking for a realistic expectation this year, I could see 270 with 20 home runs, but I would not be surprised if he went out and hit 25-30. Well done. The only well done. Thing I that's did why, want to mention that's too, why we give it to you. He is that's a lefty. I did want to mention it's gonna be weird, right? Detroit now, I don't know if you've looked, they have a lot of lefties in their lineup. So we will it'll be interesting. I want to say like four or five of their projected starters are lefty bats. So that'll be interesting to see how they balance that type of uh that type of lineup. But I think he's good enough to where he's gonna transcend that. Most of their hitters, I think, are. So another interesting uh thing to just keep an eye on. But yeah, be excited for Colt Keith. Kame, as a guy who sees the Tigers pretty regularly as a Sox fan. What were your thoughts on this whole deal? Yeah, I think I mentioned this in previous in previous episode too, but Detroit Tigers have quietly having a really solid offseason. Um, they made some real like quiet moves like this one, not real big flashy top-end free agent moves, but you know, they had Kenta Maeda um, along with some other small moves too, trading for Kana in the very beginning of the offseason, Mark Kana, um, as well as getting the play-by-play guy from the White Sox, Jason Benetti, which is a big loss for us White Sox fans. Um 
But yeah, I think it's a solid move. You know, as Vinny said, big bat in the middle of that lineup, uh, potentially. My one question, Vin, I didn't watch him that much in the minors. You kind of answered it for me already. Was that defensive versatility or where he's going to fit in defensively? Um, you know, I just wasn't sure in the minor leagues if he bounced around a lot, if he stuck at second base, but it sounds like he came up as a third baseman, which would make sense to me. Um, like you said, Jong might, might fill right in there in, in the second base eventually. So big move for the Tigers, um, you know, big power potential. So again, another good, quiet move by the Detroit Tigers. They're a ball club that keeps kind of figuring out. They've had, you know, for many that have watched them, I think most would think, oh, they were going to all of a sudden, you know, pop off and have uh, this, you know, wonderful sort of rebuild. And it hasn't been, you know, they, they really spiked Spencer Torkelson really quick to the league. Um, it felt almost too quick. If I, if you guys disagree, of course, let me know. Guys like Riley Green, you know, took a little bit to get going as well. But they've made some quality moves that I feel as if that they are putting themselves in a good position. We mentioned a couple of them already, but Mark Hanna and now the move with Colt Keith. They are starting to put together a lineup that looks pretty solid right now. Parker Meadows, Riley Green, Spencer Torkelson, Kerry Carpenter. I mentioned them already, Canna and Keith. Javier Baez, uh, Vinny's breakout athlete of the year. Uh, we'll see how that performs, but Zach McKinstry over at third base and then Jake Rogers behind the dish with a starting rotation with a guy like Scooball who could potentially be a kind of a dark horse to be an AL Cy Young candidate. So this is a team that I hope, you know, just like I was kind of rooting for the Lions this past weekend, even though we kind of roasted them right at the beginning, you know, we're seeing we're seeing some good things now for some of these sports teams that I thought we didn't know when it was going to happen, being honest. Yeah, yeah, love the move. I mean, I, we're seeing this from other teams, right? The Brewers with Jackson Cherio signing him to a long-term deal. I mean, more teams are following this kind of trend. Maybe the Cubs get something done with Pete Armstrong, fingers crossed. Um, but, yeah, I mean, this it's just a no-brainer for the Tigers who, like you said, Ty, they put up a good team. I think, too, even last year, they've kind of underperformed where I think they should have been. So, don't be surprised if they overperform this year and make up, you know, 10, 15, maybe even 20 wins. Absolutely. And, you know, to to really get an idea of how, you know, the the deal shaped out, you know, Colt Keith was asked during his press conference, you know, what were your thoughts on the deal? Uh, he said there are positives and negatives and risks on both sides. Worst case for both of us, the organization and myself is that I don't pan out and I end up with secure, security financially for me and my family for the rest of our lives. The best case for both of us is that all the option years are exercise. We win a couple of World Series and bring them back to Detroit, and I make myself a boatload of money. Good for him. Pretty candid response. Yeah. Back. Yeah. I do want to point out something interesting, too. So one, two, three, four, five of their projected starters, all of them great. Keith, Carpenter, Torkelson, Green, and Meadows, all of them were Detroit draft picks. They drafted and farmed the team that they have now. And um, I believe Tariq Skubal was also one of those. Um, Jackson Job, yep, Jackson Job, Tariq Skubal. Like, they have a good development system going, so... Keep an eye out for the Tigers. They're a scary team. Love it. Absolutely love it. Uh, anything else to add there, boys, before we move on? Very winnable division, too, I might add, you know, as, we, as we've seen in the past couple of years. So 
definitely can get it done if the, if all things fall in the right way for them. Absolutely. Another thing that might be that's been a weird offseason thus far, uh, the Seattle Mariners acquired Jorge Polanco from the Twins. Uh, pretty wild deal, boys. Kind of came out of nowhere. Uh, nobody could have predicted something like this happening this offseason. Uh, but the Mariners received, like I mentioned, Jorge Polanco. The Twins receive Anthony Desclafani, Justin Topa, Gabriel Rodriguez, and Darren Bowen, along with cash considerations. So let's start with the Mariners side of things because I know, Vinny, you uh, – have some good things about what the uh, Twins received. But they add a power-hitting switch hitter to their lineup. Uh, right now, they're projected to have him in three-hole. Uh, he did have an injury-riddled year last year that only allowed him to play in 80 games in Minnesota. So he didn't really get to showcase the greatest stats. He still was able to put up almost an, uh, an 800 OPS. But if he gets back to his 2021 days, he's a 30-plus home run guy. Benny, what were your thoughts on uh, the Mariners receiving Polanco? Good move for that. I mean, I think this is, you know, just going to say it. I think this is a good move for both sides. The only question mark that Jorge has has been his health. Uh, he has had quite a bit of trouble staying healthy. But, I mean, the Mariners really needed more bats. And, you know, we talked about them a few weeks ago. I forget for what purpose, but we looked up and down the roster and we said, uh, you know, this offense really needs some work. And credit to the front office, they have gone out and added enough guys they added mitch hanniger luke Rayley, and now jorge polanco um, as well as mitch garver like that's four solid bats that are going to help out your team this year so uh credit to seattle they've done they've done some great things this offseason and i think this is another step to say they think they can win this division and with the pitching staff that they have i i couldn't agree more yeah k-made i mean they got rid of kalanick uh who many thought okay now this is where you know, things are going to go south here. They trade away Juanio Suarez, but they made the moves like Vinny said, and I think this is a great move again for them. I mean, they're really trying to put together a lineup that's going to be effective this year in a, in a pretty difficult division in the AOS. Yeah, absolutely. I think I think it was our Christmas episode. I think I gave the Mariners Cole as my as my Cole pick just because the moves they did up to that point were, were head scratching to me. Because as you talked about, they traded where their power right. But like you said, now they're trying. They're starting to kind of rebuild that and make the moves to kind of fill those holes they had. So, yeah, good, really good move for them, especially from the left side of the plate too. I think is big um, from a Polanco standpoint. You know, that, that left handed bats um, will, will benefit them well in that lineup. Um, but yeah, solid move for them. You know, credit they, they're never afraid to make a trade. I feel like they're one of the most likely teams to trade any time of the year. Um, so kudos to them. You guys hit the main points. Um, so yeah, good move and good, good power ad for them. Yeah. Rumored to now go after Dylan Cease too. Could you imagine? That'd be crazy. Uh, why though? Ah, uh, I would hate that. They I would have to that. give up at least Kirby Miller or Wu. Right. I mean, Kirby, no way. I wouldn't give up Kirby for Cease. I think Kirby's better than Cease. But yeah, you're right. Miller, Wu. I just, I, why? I don't get it. I don't know. I mean, I do, but I wouldn't like it. We'll see. We'll it, see. Yeah, that's, and they would have to give up a lot. We've already seen yeah. it uh, yeah. with reports coming out that, I mean, you got two years of a guy. And I, I don't, true. I wonder if it's just now like, in the day in, in this day age of baseball, like 15, 20 years ago, that would have never been a thing, right? I mean, if a guy had two years left on a deal and he was on maybe a, maybe not like you know, a, you know, one of the lower end teams in the league, 
would you necessarily hear rumors about this guy being traded or is that now just sort of how these teams work? I think the idea of, sorry, Vin, I don't know if you're going to. No, say. no, go. I, go ahead. I, I think the idea of rebuild is different now too, right? Like teams will make those moves and trade away control or solder looking for prospects back. Whereas back in the day, you saw a lot more like major league for major leaguer trades, right? Not so much like major leaguer for big prospects coming back. So I think that idea, the whole landscape of baseball has kind of changed a lot of that as well. Just yeah, team. we don't really see that too often anymore of a major leaguer for a major leaguer, right? Like, right, right. The, la- the first one that comes to mind was last year's Luis Arise for Pablo Lopez, you know, and even that there was still prospects involved. So yeah, you're you're hit it right in the head there. Trying to think my head here, why why that is? I can't I can't come to my I can't come to my two senses about why that is because if you know, let's let's just give this example right here, right? AL Central is a winnable division. All these teams now really have a shot with the Kansas City Royals kind of coming out of nowhere and making themselves a really uh, or, or creating a very busy offseason for their for their organization. Why now? Like, what? Why? Why is it though that teams are more likely to do these prospect level deals? Is it just straight like cost? You guys think like, hey, we're just going to lower our costs now. Now we're able to, you know kind of feed that off because the White Sox have, if they figure it out this year, and you know, Mankata is actually up to a level, you know, he's healthy right now, but if he plays extremely well this year, I mean, it's not out of the rhythm to say like they're, they could win the division. I don't know. I mean, what are you guys thoughts? I think it's pretty, pretty far fetched that they win the division. I mean, <laughs> I would agree. I, I, I think the idea. Yeah. So like, I picture it like, um, almost like a tipping point, right? Like there's there's a point where, you know, they crunch all their numbers and they say, this is the team that we have. We think we can win between 70 and 90 games, right? And if we win 86 games, that gives us a realistic chance to be in the playoffs. And once you're in the playoffs, anything can happen. So like they mathematically say, okay, we're going to have this percent chance to make the playoffs. If that number is lower than they think or anticipate is worth, you know, risking another year kyle said it i mean the landscape for rebuilding's changed they're going to rebuild they're going to you know take the year off essentially and try to go back for the next 10 years as opposed to you know we have a 40 percent chance to make it this year do we invest in you know these three guys and cripple ourselves for 10 years probably not right so um yeah i think kyle hit it and i'd be i think the white Sox are probably the worst team in that division so we'll see <laughs> sorry kyle uh, F you, but I totally agree with you as a White Sox fan. Um, you know, not, not much excitement out of my end, um, for this team this year, but just going off what you guys said, the idea of like contention window, we hear that term a lot too. That's changed a lot too, over the last several years, right? Like the Houston Astros almost kind of laid out that blueprint where they were really, really bad for four or five years to open up that big window where they had their main guys under team, under team friendly contracts, um, and were young and controllable. Obviously, that whole cheating scandal like happened right in the middle of it. But, you know, look at the success they're still having, even after all that. So that's changed things, too. I mean, as far as teams go about how to make trades, when to make trades, things like that. Um, so kind of interesting how it's, you know, transcribed over the last decade or so, I'd say. Yeah. We do. I do apologize. We got a little off topic there, but I just thought it was an intriguing conversation. Uh, intriguing side of the deal, though, for the Twins. Uh, <clears throat> they got... Uh, a bunch of different names in this deal. Anthony Escafani slides in more of their five and six spot, you know, adds uh, needed depth to the rotation. That is not that bad. 
thus far. Uh, but he posted a 4.39 ERA last year in 118 pit, 118 innings pitched in 2023. Boy, some struggle a little bit. I apologize. Uh, Justin Topa uh, was one of the names added as well. A older player in the league right now at, who literally just had his rookie year. Uh, but he gets added to their bullpen, produced a 2.61 ERA over 69 innings pitched in 2023. Darren Bowen was a low-A pitcher for Seattle last year, 23 years old, so we'll see what happens with him. But the real piece of this deal is Gabriel Gonzalez. He's 28 years old. He's an outfield prospect. Uh, Vinny, you gave him some flowers in our group chat this week, calling him one of the best pure bats in the minor leagues. I want you to kind of dive into why that is. Yeah, um, I will say so. The first thing, I mean, if I could back before – Gabriel Gonzalez real quick is just because I was thinking I love this move for Minnesota because it opens the door for Edward Julian, the potential and likely second baseman for the twins. Um, that dude, I am super excited for. He just, he's another guy who hits, he's not going to hit, you know, 30 bombs, but he'll go 25 home runs, 20, 25 home runs and 20 steals. And he'll hit a, you know, 280 average with almost a 400. Over. I mean, the guy just gets on base. So I'm really excited to see what Edward Julian can do. Um, and then you did kind of I, I shame on not shame on you. I don't know. Darren Bowen is an is another interesting guy who we'll see. I think he's very underrated. He's an arm. He's a little bit old for his level, um, but he posted some great underlying numbers last season. Um, Mid nineties fastball and uh, his what is it? His slider sits in the mid to low eighties and has a ton of sweeping action. So I'm really excited to see maybe what they can do with him because. I mean, Seattle's a great pitching org, but I think Minnesota's also made some great pitchers over the few years or the last 10 years or so. So I uh, would be really excited to see what Darren Bowen can bring. And then, yeah, Gabriel Gonzalez. I, I did give him flowers earlier because, um, yeah, the dude just another guy, like another guy who just hits, right? I mean, we can talk about it too of maybe this is why they're trading for controllable assets is because, you know, there's so many guys in the minor leagues, especially this last year, that really showed that, you know, they are good hitters and can hit for power. And Gonzalez is one of those. I mean, he hit 18 home runs, which um, isn't super high in 530 plate appearances, but had a 298, 361, 576 slash line. Um, he swings at a lot of pitches, Gabriel Gonzalez, um, but he makes a lot of contact. He makes some hard contact. Um, I think he's probably a little bit closer to average power though once he gets up but i think he could be a 280 290 hitter once he gets here with you know 15 20 home runs as well so um really exciting get for the um the uh the twins and yeah super excited for edard julian wanted to apologize to darren bowen uh on behalf of the big fly pond i just want to apologize to darren bowen uh i just want to make that clear kame the twins are one of these teams that just cycles players through, in my opinion. They just find guys out of nowhere. They find the right moves. They're a very underrated organization in that sense. So what were your thoughts on their return? Uh, it's a good way of putting it, I think. They find a way to kind of cycle through players. This is the second year in a row where they've traded you know, a solid position player back for an arm as the main piece for the major league team, and then also some prospects involved in this deal too. Um, I think Discofani is a really big add for them um, in the bottom of that rotation, especially after losing Sonny Gray. They're definitely going to need some innings there um, in that starting rotation. I think he can add that as that as that uh, death piece in there. So 
good move for them coming back. Um, you know, I think I said this to you guys in the group chat, but Polanco always killed the White Sox. Um, no matter if he was having a good season, bad season, he seemed to always come up with a big hit like, when he was playing the White Sox. So I, for one, am stoked to see him out of the division. Um, but I, I like the return for the Twins coming back. Um, I think it's a promising move for them. And, you know, the, the future is up for those prospects, too, that we mentioned coming back. So Beautiful. Don't trash Darren Bowen. Yeah, no, I won't. Uh, <laughs> obviously, listen to the pod. All right, so let's uh, turn it over to the reliever market, boys. Uh, really kind of popped off here. Uh, we've now seen this, of course, is uh, once the Josh Hader signing went by, we saw names like Robert Stevenson and other guys come off the board. The names we saw this week, Hector Neris is headed to the Cubs on a one-year deal that could turn into two. Matt Board of the Angels, he returns after being put on waivers. Uh, don't know how that how that happened. Uh, and then David Robertson's also on a one-year deal to the Rangers. Any moves? I know off, off the pitch there, right, everyone was very, very excited about the Cubs getting a Hector Neris. Uh, you know, as a Cub fan myself, I'm very happy with the move. But out of those three moves, we'll start with you, K-May. Any deal that you felt like was the best deal made out of all three of those uh, contracts that were signed this week? I really like Robertson to the Rangers. I think with Chapman departing, I think they needed somewhere in the someone in the back end that are going to hold things down. So really good move for them, I think. Yeah, and especially after missing out on Hader. I mean, right. everyone thought Hader was going to Texas, and he did end up going to Texas just – the other part of Texas. Um, but yeah, no, Texas is going to roll with Leclerc as their closer. And yeah, I mean, that was a great signing for them to get Robertson. Um, and yeah, obviously as the Cubs fan, I, you know, I really do like the Hector Neris signing. Um, you know, I think we as Cubs fans should temper our expectations. I don't think he's going to come in and be, you know, what he was last year for anyone who um, doesn't know last year, where did it go? Um, he posted what I think, let me see. Don't want to mess it up. Um, last season he posted a 171 ERA. I don't expect him to post anything under two, maybe not even two and a half. I'm thinking closer to three, maybe even three and a half. So, um, I don't think he's going to be as dominant as he was last year. I think he got a little bit lucky. Um, but either way, I still think he's a terrific ad for the Cubs. Um, hopefully setting up Albert Alzelay. And I think Naris paired with Julian Merriweather is a terrific setup combination. And he's still got Mark Leiter back there. So, um, good on the Cubs. I think they're doing well in their bullpen. Yeah, Cubs fans were pissed up to that point. <laughs> they were they were not excited really about anything that happened thus far this offseason. So to see a move like this was uh, – and many people, for some reason, reports were out that he was expecting $50 million. And, oh, my God, that's, that's a lot of money for a reliever. So people saw this deal and, oh, Jed got a steal. Well, I think maybe he just tempered his expectations or it was a false report is kind of what my guess was there as well. So, um, yeah, there's the update on the relievers. Vinny, did you have anything else there? Um, no, I was just thinking because the uh, I was kind of sad that the Cubs didn't go for Brent Suter a little bit harder. Um, I think he would have been another great addition for a lot cheaper. Um, he was just another name that I thought of. And you mentioned the Angels in Matt, Matt Moore. I was just curious. Did you guys see that they DFA'd Trey Cabbage? Like, have you did you? Did you catch that? <laughs> you love you you I are you you're one of those baseball fans that somehow some way knows Trey Cabbage in a way that's like it's like romantic in a way I feel like for you because I feel like he like people were overly over the moon about this guy yes when he came up 
I mean, I'll be honest. I didn't know anything about him. I didn't know him last year, but watching him last year play for the angels. I mean, the dude can hit like my question to the angels is who the hell are you trotting out? That's better than that dude who just hit you. I think he hit what? 27 home runs. What, what was it's his, like, what was his K rate? So, so he hit 27 home runs last year. Sure. I don't know. Did you look at, what is it? Do you know? I, I would just be intrigued to know his K rate. Cause I know that he was kind of a three outcome guy. Sure. I mean, and maybe he's like a Patrick wisdom type, which, yeah, you know, is, which they got a need, right? I right? Mean, I was going to say like, who? I mean, what are you going to trot yeah. out Anthony Rendon for a hundred games? Like, I good luck. Well, he might get out there for hundred games. We'll see. The season moved to hundred games. Ah, whatever. Not All right, sure. we're gonna move on. So, other free agent news: Jock Peterson signs with the Diamondbacks on a one-year deal for nine and a half million uh, with mutual option in twenty twenty-five. Jock had fifteen home runs last year with a seven sixty-four OPS. The D-backs just finding ways to put together a really, really solid team again, Vinny. Trey Cabbage struck out at a 30% clip in AAA last year. We're talking about Jock Peterson. Okay. But Sorry, continue. I know, I know, but I just, I I was looking it up and I had to. Well, you did your homework. Just That's mentioned. good. Well, yeah. they only gave him 26, 22 games. Sorry, 56 plate appearances. And they just cut him in major leagues. I'm sorry. I'm angry. Um, Jock Peterson. Yeah. Good signing for the Diamondbacks. Uh, I think this means Tommy Pham's not coming back. I think Jack Peterson's just going to slot out there in left field. But, you know, got to do what you got to do. You got to fill the holes. And I think they did a great job. You know, good for them. Good for the Diamondbacks. Good for Jack. Yeah, great signing. Yeah, good point, Ben. I, I, think, I think you're spot on with Tommy Pham. The writing's on the wall there for him. Jack Peterson, I don't know about you guys, but he's one of those guys where like I'm waiting for him to like decline, but he still hits like 25 hormones every year. The guy always he like continues to have juice left in the tank always. So yeah, he'll hit some home runs for them. Um much needed power from the left side. So good signing. Big vibes guy too. Big, Big vibe guy. guy. Big vibe guy. I, I thought he's older. He's only 31. He's gonna turn 32. He seems like he's he I seems thought he was like, like a lot older. 30s. Right? I thought he was yeah. like 34, 35 by now. No. He's played for what? The Dodgers, the Cubs. See if you can get him. Yep. Dodgers, yeah. Cubs, Diamondbacks, uh, Giants, and um, Braves. Did he? I... Yes. I think yeah, he was on the Braves. Wrong. Yes, okay. he did. Won a World Series good. with the Braves, if I'm not mistaken. Is he one of the right guys there. that they added? I know um, it was Solaire won the MVP, right? Because that was when they needed to redo their entire outfield. I don't remember other guy that they signed though. Was it? It might have been Jack. I believe you. Yeah, yeah. Jack's been everywhere, sure. but he's always done well. He's always done. Yeah, well. yeah. Uh, yeah Justin sick. Turner. Justin Turner agreed to a one-year contract with the Blue Jays. Uh, this does not. I think to be clear here, this doesn't pl- uh, preclude them from Matt Chapman sweep, uh, sweepstakes. Because Turner is going to fill in for the DH first baseman role, sort of a hybrid role with Vladdy. Um, so, I mean, a fantastic ad by the Blue Jays, my opinion. Yeah. I was listening to an analyst on MLB network. I don't remember who it was. Maybe like JP Morosi or one of those guys. He was saying that, uh, you know, really good veteran presence too. For a lot of those younger guys in that clubhouse guy who's been there knows how to win, right? The Blue Jays are one of those teams where like, we're waiting to take the next step. They really haven't in the last couple of years. Um, they're actually my pick to be in the World Series last year. That obviously didn't happen. Um, but yeah, I, I good signing. You know, he's one of those guys who's getting older. But like I said, he'll be a good veteran presence for those guys. 
and uh, still provide some some power in that lineup too. And he can still hit home runs, still hit for power. So good signing for them. I like the fit. Yeah, and Tyler, you mentioned it. You know, Justin Turner is not the third base Justin Turner that we used to see back in Boston and L.A. I think, yeah, you're absolutely right. He's going to fill in at the DH spot. Um, I believe Toronto has Kevin Biggio slotted at third base, but I mean, if you're a contending team in that AL East and you're trotting out Kevin Biggio at third base, you probably need to you need to do something. No offense to Kevin Biggio, but you know you got to be better. Um, and you're absolutely right. So that being said, I don't think it takes them out of the Matt Chapman sweepstakes. Um, you know, I I assume Matt Chapman probably wants to go back to Toronto. I think that's probably his his ideal location. Why would you want to move? Uh, where you you know are very comfortable and you're very good and you're on a contender so uh, we'll see but you know I knew Justin Turner was not going to have any issues finding a team he mashed 23 home runs last year had an eight percent walk rate 17 percent strikeout rate those are all extremely good numbers for a guy who is 39 years old yes 39 how old three nine almost 40 adam frazier besides one year deal with the royals fan graphs has him as a blue uh platoon role on the bench for the royals that really hats off to them boys have had an incredible off season uh and i mean i say incredible because we are just seeing something happening with this ball club that has one of the biggest superstars of baseball that needs to be you know we need to see him on the big stage you know, hopefully soon with Bobby Witt Jr. So, uh, Royals made a move. Uh, Royal, Royals made a move. I can't talk right now, man. I'm a disaster right now, boys. Disaster. Yeah, I just hope this doesn't take any. I, I'm a big Michael Massey fan, so I'm, I'm hoping it doesn't take any playing time away from Michael Massey. You know, Adam Frazier, hopefully, is just that veteran dude that, you know, is going to help some of their young guys like Bobby Witt or like Michael Garcia, uh, you know, really find their footing. Michael Massey is a local guy, isn't he? From around where we are, Ben. Is he? I'm pretty sure. He was from, he's from around here somewhere, I think. Anyways, that's besides the point. Um, I mean, yeah. this this place produces some fantastic baseball players, you know. Yeah, true. <laughs> Whatever. True. A few D three guys ourselves. So yeah. <laughs> but yeah, sorry, Kyle. Yeah, go ahead. <laughs> no, yeah, I mean, good good signing for the Royals. Veteran guy is gonna, you know, like you said, Ty. Hopefully. Help mold Bobby Witt, help him out a little bit. Um, crafty veteran move. So, yeah, good signing. And, yes, he is from pa- Palos Park. I actually don't know how to pronounce it, but it's in between Oaklawn and or- Orland Park. Thought um, so. Kind of by Tinley Park. So, yeah, southern southern uh, suburbs. Shouts out to the Burbs. Yeah, shouts out to Palos Palos Park. Cook County. Shout out. Shout out the Orioles. Because... The reports came out on Tuesday that the Angelos family, the owners of the Orioles, have reached a deal to sell the Baltimore Orioles to a leadership group that includes private equity billionaires uh, David Rubenstein and Mike Aragette. I might have, I might have just, I might have done that pretty well right there. That felt good. That's pretty I, good. Thank sounded you. pretty good. Sounded pretty good off the tongue for sure. Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. Don't know what I sound like right now, but uh, reports also say that Orioles Hall of Famer Cal Ripken Jr is a part of the new ownership deal as well, which is really, really cool. Uh, KMA, uh, people are saying this is awesome. This is great. People are saying that the Orioles don't spend. The Orioles don't make the right moves. Uh, did this move occur 
for selling ownership because they are still paying Chris Davis almost $40 million total over the next 15 years? That's <laughs> a heck of a question. Um, yeah, you know, I, I'm jealous. I wish Jared Reinsdorf would follow suit and sell the White Sox. Um, <laughs> True, but, and the Bulls. Just sell the yeah. Bulls by his attitude. Right? <laughs> oh, man. Get him out of here. Really odd timing, though, for this, I thought. Like, we usually see this not right before the season starts, right? They usually see this right after the season or in the middle of winter or something. This is like a couple weeks before spring training. Um, so I just thought the timing was odd, but I'm happy for Royals fans. Cause like you said, they, including this off season, they haven't really spent money when they probably should be right. I mean, they, they should be going for it. They're, they're right there, you know, um, on the verge of a championship roster. So they should be making moves, should be spending money. I don't know if that had anything to do with they were selling. This quietly happened. We didn't hear much about it until today. Um, so crazy, crazy timing and, and, and good for good for Orioles fans. I'm happy for them. Yeah. And I wish I had, I had had more time to look into this. Cause I remember, um, is it just, was it two years ago or last year when the Orioles owner came out and said something along the lines of like the reason why he's not paying their players more money is because ticket prices then would just go through the roof and fans were kind of upset. Like, you know, you're a billionaire and you know, we pay our, we pay our dues just like every other fan club. What, what do you mean? You're not going to pay our, our players. Like, you know, this is a great organization. And then he signed them for a lease for like 30 years to say in Baltimore. So I think Orioles fans were happy. I'm not quite sure. You know, again, I, I wish I would have dove into the specifics as to why he maybe wasn't loved by the fans a little bit more, but as far as I know, this is kind of like Jerry Reinsdorf selling the white Sox or something like that. Like, Orioles fans are happy to see this. Yeah, for sure. So the reports just came out. I mean, literally right, right as we were, uh, you know, putting together everything and all that. It it was something that just came out, which is something that I want to dive in deeper to as to why this is the case, because it really isn't. It's an interesting thing because the Orioles from a, if I'm thinking of this from a business standpoint, right? Okay, so you have all of this young core, right? All this young talent that you're going to make a lot of money off of for the years to come. Then you will have to pay them. So are they just getting out early from having to pay them? Because wouldn't you think that? I mean, you guys saw it in the playoffs. Like these fans really, truly do care. I mean, that that place that that place is chaos when the Orioles are playing well. So you know they're making money. So why would they, if they're going to make all that money from that, they aren't having to pay the young guys just yet. They can hold off for a couple of years. You know, why wouldn't they just hold on to that? Maybe you just maybe the deal was too good to to not take. I don't know. Yeah, good question. I mean, you'd think you'd want to stick around to reap some of the benefits. Maybe they're they think this is selling high. Who knows? I you know, it's a good question. Or maybe it has nothing to do with the state of the team. Maybe it's all business and there's just things that our puny little minds can't understand about selling a you know, multi million dollar, billion dollar team don't know good questions maybe we should bring on jerry and ask him you know that would be a, a really uh we would i think our viewership would spike probably what ten thousand percent if we somehow got him on well ten thousand because... percent of zero is still zero <laughs> sorry i i don't think we have zero but that's just was funny i'm sorry no no you are a tutor so i i get I it, it 
makes invite, a lot of sense. Invite a math guy in the podcast. They said it'll be fun. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that, yeah. I was really excited to have you join the podcast. Uh, what I'm not excited about is seeing the Brewers potentially have success again this year. Uh, they agreed to a two-year deal worth 34 million dollars with Reese Hoskins. Uh, he does have an opt out in 2025. If he does pick up that option, the deal also includes a mutual option for 18 million in 2026. I don't think they're going to get to there. I think he's going to opt out after this year and get his money. Cause I think he's going to have a really successful year backstory on Hoskins. If, uh, as many people know, of course he tore his ACL prior to the 2023 regular season during his spring training game. Well, he has a powerful uh, bat slam that he showcased in the visual round against the Braves, in the 2022 playoffs that, really propelled the Phillies ended up uh, getting to the world series that year, but Hoskins showed legit power with, uh, with 27 home runs in 2021 and 30 in 2022, a move that many thought were really wasn't in sight for the Brewers this off season, based on the fact that there were all these trade rumors around Corbin Burns and William Adamas and where the organization was going. Once Craig council left the helm of the, uh, the top step of the dugout, but, Looks like they're going to be competitive again, Vinny. And it sucks to say that. Yeah, I mean, they're going for it, right? And this one does sting because I am a Reese Hoskins believer. Um, I mean, this is going to like, I I don't think it's going to look quite as big as Cody Bellinger's or something like that. But I think, you know, we've talked about the one-year deals in this podcast before. And I think this is a fantastic one. I, I am... I if Reese Hoskins did not tear his ACL um, for this season, if he if he was playing this last year, I mean, there's no t- he would be one of the bigger. I mean, he'd be bigger than Matt Chapman. He'd be one of the top prospect or top free agents out there. So, um, no offense to Matt Chapman. I I just that's probably like the status that we're talking about because I think he just you know out of sight out of mind. You know, he wasn't on the forefront of a lot of people's minds last year. The dude has never, I mean, we all know about his big power, right? I mean, he's just consistent with home runs, right? He's never hit less than 27 home runs in a season, which is just, what? Like, that's that's insane. That's awesome for um, a 30-year-old. He's also never walked below 10% of a walk rate, which is just, he's got a great eye. He's got great pop. Um, you know, he plays first base, which a little bit of an easier position, but I mean, you know, you need that lockdown guy at first base. I think if you're going to be a contending team and the fact that the Brewers signed him on a one-year deal tells me that they're trying to contend. Fellas, I'm telling you right now, this is the move of the off season. Yes. <sighs> it's, it's better than Otani. It's better than Yamamoto, all that sort of stuff. This fills such a big hole for the Milwaukee Brewers. Um, and like we said, you know, the outlook for this team in let's say November, early December for me is so much different than what it was. Um, they're right there at the top of the NL Central now, whereas, you know, nobody's really expecting them to contend. Like we talked about them trading away, you know, that starting pitching depth that they have whole lot of those guys. Burns is still there. I really like this team to compete. And I'll tell you what, if the Cubs and the Brewers are like one, two down the stretch, one of the most intriguing storylines of baseball is going to be watching that with with the Craig Council thing moving over to, to Chicago, yeah, that'll be a really intriguing thing to watch if that if this is how it plays out. But I absolutely love the move for the Brewers, and I I, I think it's really going to help propel them to a lot more wins than they were expected to a couple months ago. So I love it for the Brewers. Great breakdown. All right, uh, let's see here. So let's let's talk about the Brewers. 
I guess we'll I guess we'll make this episode. That's our team, Brewers. right? Yeah, it is our team. Yeah, uh, that's, that's my second team, baby. My squad. Biggest transaction really? in the offseason, creating Craig Council to the Cubs. Uh, <laughs> burn. Ooh. They did just win the division, so I don't know how much we can burn them. But yeah, burn. yeah, or, yeah, they won the uh as uh yeah. Um <laughs> yeah. I have to you know, I think this is actually I, I will bring this up. The uh thank you. The you're welcome. Vinny, do you hate the Brewers or the Cardinals more now? Uh, you know, this might be a hot take, but given the landscape of baseball and how I watch baseball now, I don't know if I necessarily hate any team per se. I I love players. So I'm rooting for specific players. So there's guys on. How can you hate Nolan Arenado? I just I can't. I'm not. I'm not not going to root against Nolan Arenado. Rockies did winning. Okay. Well, the Rockies also are not a great run organization right now. So, you know. Oh, I was just answering that. your question. I was just answering your question. Well, yeah. I mean, I I don't align my morals with the Rockies. Um. So I. So you are a tutor. I just. Yeah. I I I can't hate the Brewers. I. I'm a huge Jackson Cheerio fan. I I, just, I also can't hate Yelich. Yelich is a phenomenal baseball player. I think he's a generational talent. I just I love watching ball. So I I'm gonna sidestep the question because I don't think I really hate either of them more. I hate every team that's not the Cubs equally. Cool. I hate the Brewers. All right. So look at okay. the lineup. Uh Christian Yelich in the DH spot, William Contreras. Uh, uh I mean the whole deal between the Braves, the A's, and the Brewers is an absolute joke. And honestly, people should go to jail for it. But William Contreras has somehow ended up in Milwaukee. Self-relic in right field, who I actually do like. Going off of Vinny's mindset, I actually do like for like a lot. Uh, first base, uh, Reese Hoskins, who we just mentioned. William Adamas over at short. Garrett Mitchell, uh, who had an injury uh, real year last year, but he's an intriguing prospect for the Brewers in left field. Jackson Churio, who got the major, major deal of the offseason from a prospect perspective. Manning the center field position, Bryce Terang, a defensive web gem over at second base, and then Andrew Monasterio over at third base. Did you know, Vinny, who did a uh, little trivia for Vinny? Monasterio, who, who drafted him? Tyler, you thought you could stump me, but it's the Chicago Cubbies. And I don't think Monasterio is going to get all the run at third base. I think that they are going to bring up Tyler Black. I think Tyler Black will get some third base run. And by the end of the season, I think it'll be Tyler Black's role, not Andrew Monasterio's. But we'll see. Um, yeah, Cubby, though. Good job. Starting rotation-wise, Gordon Burns, Freddie Peralta, Wade Bionley, Colin Ray, and Joe Ross. Bullpen-wise, Devin Williams, Joey, Joel Piamps. Uh, just an incredible arm along with Trevor Miguel. Hobie Milner, Abner Uribe, Elvis Paguero, Taylor Clark, and Bryce Wilson in the long reliever role. These are all slated as of now. Their bench includes Eric Haas, Jake Bowers, Owen Miller, and Joey Weimer. Vinny, or not Vinny, excuse me, came eight. Right now, do you like the rotation more or do you like the lineup more for the Brewers? Good question. Um, I'll say rotation just because of the top end and the power that, that's that's in there. 
Um, Borens Peralta is one of the best one twos that you'll see around the league, right? Um, you know, they're talking about moving both those guys, and they're both going to stay put. So, also the rotation, you know, line, lineup is solid. I think it lacks at the bottom, especially once you get to the bottom of that lineup. Um, you know, I think there's some improvements that can still be made. You know, I don't think this team is going to win over 100 games, but they can certainly, you know, contend for a division title. Um, but yeah, I'll, I'll go rotation. I guess I will. I, I'll, I'll play a little devil's advocate. I think the the offense and defense, what do you call it, the lineup. I'll say the lineup. I think I like a little bit more, um, just because I think right now. I mean, so those last two that you mentioned, Conray and Joe Ross. I don't think that they're going to be the four or five. I mean, maybe Raya sticks, but. Um, I do think Aaron Ashby will be in that rotation. And I think um, we could certainly see Robert Gasser. Um, if you don't know who, who he is, Robert Gasser, look him up. Um, going to be in the rotation at some point. And then another one who might make his way up is Jacob Mizorowski. Um, Those three guys, I think, will fill out the bottom of that rotation um, as the season goes on. But I really do. I, I don't think they have as bad of an offense anymore. I think, like Kyle said, that fills their biggest hole. I think that this could very well be the signing of the offseason because I think Reese Hoskins is extremely underrated. When you have Yelich and William William Contreras, another top, you know, he's probably a top five catcher in the game right now. If Churio hits, you know, Adamas is still solid, Garrett Mitchell. I mean, I just I think they have guys who are on the upswing. So I am going to say the lineup. Um, but I think the rotation will be sneaky good by the end of the year as well. Good picks a little 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 debate session right what do, there what do you think uh, tyler which one do you pick um my problem is is that you're gonna be possibly relying i i think the the conversation there is do you like the prospects more from the offensive side or the pitching side because i think whoever makes a bigger impact on either of those sides will elevate that side of the of the uh of the team I'm going to stick with the lineup just because I think Jackson Churio, you're giving him an opportunity to bat in the eighth, seventh, eighth hole is fantastic. Hopefully they keep him down so they can let him sort of build his confidence up and do well. Uh, but KMA, you said it best earlier where you talked about Hoskins because when you saw that uh, signing happen, you saw a lot of fans from a lot of teams go, oh, crap, we missed out on this one. And it's a steal. It really, really is because he is a player option. So you give him two years because if he doesn't do well this year, you know, he's going to do well next year because he had an injury last year that took him out for the entire year. Maybe he needs a little bit of buildup. You give him two years. Now you can allow him to kind of come into the fold. So to answer your question though, Vinny, I'm going to stay, I'm going to say lineup because I think Churio and Mitchell are going to be that good. And it, Pisses me off that we have to continue to talk about this. Let's talk about the prospects, though. Like we just mentioned, four in the top 100. Okay, like we mentioned, Jackson Cheerio, Jacob Mizorowski, believe that's how you say it, Jefferson Cuero, and Tyler Black. Okay, Vinny, you're our prospect guy, our prospect legend, our prospect master. Okay, and uh, by the way, we do have an ad here. Uh, if you are needing tutoring services in the local area, Vinny is a tutor.com. Go ahead, head over there after this session. 
Your first five sessions will be free, but as long as you pay for five more. Vinny, let's get back to the Brewers. Let's talk about what you think are some really good prospects to look out for for this ball club. Um, oh, wait, we have another ad break. Um, this is brought to you by Staying Healthy by Ty Lewin. Um, if you want to learn how to stay healthy this offseason and not catch the flu, visit tylewinhealth.com and, uh, you know, take your health to the next level. Um, yeah, no, getting back to the Brewers. Thank you. Back from the break. Um, thanks, Ty. <laughs> uh, yeah, I think, you know, Jackson Cherio is, he's one of those guys that could transcend prospect status. Like, you know, we've seen this quite a bit over the last few seasons. And I think we've been a little bit spoiled. Like we look at some of these top prospects who have come up, Corbin Carroll, Ellie De La Cruz, uh, Julio Rodriguez, Bobby Witt Jr. Um, even back to Juan Soto, like there have been so many young guys, Ronald Acuna Jr. Um, Tatis, like they just come up and they, you know, just pave their way and mash their way through and steal bases. Jackson Churio is that kind of talent. Like he is, I mean, you look at a lot of circles, a lot of people have Wyatt Langford number one and Jackson holiday. Number one, if I'm making prospect status, like rankings, I'm putting Jackson Churio number one because Jackson holiday doesn't have his power or his speed as Jackson Churio and Wyatt Langford just hasn't proven long enough. Churio has been proven. He's shown in the minor leagues all throughout that he is just one of the best hitters. He's fast. Jackson Churio's legit. Um, yeah, and then you mentioned Jacob Mizorowski. I mentioned him too, and Robert Gasser, um, two other guys that I think will come up and really aid that bullpen. Tyler Black, um, yeah, again, could be their third baseman. If you look at just the status of this uh, farm system, though, it's very top heavy right now. Like, you know, if we look out two years or something like that, I really don't see much that they have on the horizon. There's maybe a few guys down at the bottom. Um, I mean, Brock Wilkins in double A right now, he's pretty interesting. Um, you know, and there's a few guys here and there, but nothing that really stands out. So maybe this is why the Brewers bought in on Reese Hoskins is because their prospect window is like now over the next two, three years, like they got to make sure, figure out if some of these guys are going to work out or not. Um, because they're not, you know, they don't have guys in the pipeline three or four or five years from now. It's, it's now. So maybe that's why they went in on Hoskins and, uh, yeah, I mean, but the top is legit. The top is ready to compete. So, um, yeah, you're going to see a lot of names from the Brewers maybe that, you know, a lot of people haven't heard of before this year, but that are going to have a huge, huge impact. I think you make a really good point about being top heavy there, Vinny, because maybe, maybe that's the reason why they floated around moving a Burns or, yeah. you know, mo moving a Peralta at the top of that rotation, just to kind of rebuild that farm system from bottom up. Right. Cause like you said, you know, it's very top heavy. It falls off very quick. So I think that's a really, really good point and kind of where they're at as, as an organization. Vinny, great job. Did you really have to throw in the tutor stuff like that? Like that was, I'm happy to tutor if anyone needs it. You guys need math help? I'll, yeah. I'll... If you do go yeah. ahead and go ahead. Videostutor.com. I'll do all the way up to calculus. Anything, anything. Yeah, I know. Isn't that amazing? You, you are amazing. You're doing great things, buddy. And I think yeah, you're you doing too. Stuff. Yeah. yeah. I'm, I'm excited to be here. Excited for the things that are coming. Can't wait. Yeah. Next ad will be tie is a complimenter.com. If you need compliments, buy two, get seven free. Seven free. Wow. Seven free. Heck of a deal.
Yeah. Boys, did you have anything else to add? I think this has been a wonderful podcast and uh I'm very, very happy that I get to do this with you guys. Oh Kyle, which which team do you hate most? Do you do you have a team that you hate? Am I am I the loner in not hating teams? Um uh just say question. It. I mean, yeah, the Cubs, the Cubs, you know, <laughs> just why? because here's the reason why I, I have an uncle who's like a really big smart ass and sure. like I'm as being a big smart ass myself. Like we always went back and forth, even for when we were little, we would always like make bets on Sox Cubs and sure. always talk smack to each other. So to this day, you know, we just kind of have a hatred for each other's teams. It's what bonds us together, you know? Yeah. Okay. That's, That's fair. where it all started. I get it. Okay. I also, I, I'm going to say Guardians, but growing up, it was always the Indians that I always hated. Just that was like that division rival for me. I just, the Sox always played like crap in Cleveland and their ballpark drives me nuts. So, so then in that World Series, was that a tough World Series? Cubs, Indians? I mean, it, who are you rooting for at that point? I didn't was, watch, I didn't literally didn't watch the World Series with him because he was miserable to watch it with. So, oh can't God, go ahead. Yeah. Well, it wasn't, it wasn't that hard. I was an Indian stand. <laughs> it was go Indians. It was I, I was out of that house every single game as soon as as soon as my classes ended, I said I'm not going back to that house for tonight's game. So I still get yeah. chills thinking about that Rajay Davis home run. My God. Why do you get chills about that? Because it's just like that is like one of the all time World Series moments. Like even though it was against the Cubs and there's a lot of great Cubs, that one just like that one sticks. That one really sticks. That and the Dexter Fowler leadoff one, leadoff home run. There you go. Okay, you see, and this is this is what I'm talking about again. Like, I just I want to <laughs> watch good baseball. Obviously, I want the Cubs to win. Like, yeah. but you can't tell me that watching Rajay Davis hit that home run isn't like the most electrifying thing. Like, even as a Cubs fan, you're like, come on, this team just doesn't die. Like, I mean, it's just it was incredible. Sorry, sorry. You know what? Hate me. Hate me for loving baseball. I watch it before bed every night, personally. Yeah. Do you uh, look at the scoreboard and all right? So to, to everyone that tuned in for another edition of the Big Fly Pod, thank you so much for listening in, and we look forward to having you tune in again. Thank you so much, and we'll talk to you soon.